My name's Calvina. My name's Harini. Welcome back to the news podcast. We're going to be talking about gender socialization throughout childhood. And of course, this is quite a broad topic. So we're going to be covering just as much as we can. Um, This includes, for example, children's branding in stationery or through toys, how they're labelled and the effects that this has, as well as looking at gender reveal parties or gender socialisation throughout gaming. The first thing we're going to talk about is toys and games. So we're all aware that there's a huge difference between girls' toys or things that have been labelled as girls' toys and things which have been labelled as boys' toys. And I think it's quite important to look at why and what the particular differences actually are. So a quick Google search for girls' toys comes up with a pink Hetty cleaning trolley, a makeup case, a styling head of the Disney princess Moana, a miniature washing machine, a miniature kitchen playset, and a miniature pink pram. So the main themes that stand out here are vanity and appearance, as well as the domestic sphere, so cleaning and cooking. I think that it's important to look at this kind of thing because it does show that children end up mirroring the pre-existent roles in the average household. So when we have a society where the majority of household work is done by women, of course, female children are going to end up copying this. And in turn, it does, in a sense, perpetuate these roles as well as boys are then being socialised since birth to not correlate child rearing and looking after children with boyhood and with masculinity they see this as something which is innately for girls you know girls have been doing this since they were children looking after the baby dolls walking around with little prams so it doesn't seem as though it's a massive issue but I think it does set up the foundations for this kind of thinking and it ends up perpetuating the gender roles which are seen in childhood so another point to be made about this is how imaginative thinking has also been gendered. So if you think about the things which girls are stereotypically meant to imagine, you think about unicorns and fairies, more, I guess you could say, passive and aesthetically pleasing, gentle kind of creatures. (laughs) Whereas for boys, it's more about the monsters, the dragons, the goblins. So I guess these are more active, violent, outdoorsy, fighting-oriented creatures. And I'd say it's harmful to both sides because toxic masculinity is built on the foundations from boyhood that normalise violence. So when you have all these toys and even the imagination of boys being steered towards things which are violent, things which are to do with fighting, of course it ends up building the foundations for the normalisation of male violence. Another important link that we probably don't immediately think of is capitalism. And how a lot of this gendering is to do with selling a product. So obviously by creating a direct target audience, it helps to sell the products. So when you have these baby dolls and you label them as for girls, you have a guaranteed market then because you're always going to have baby girls being born and baby boys being born. So of course, when you create such a big division, it allows each set of toys to be sold to each set of children essentially and of course we now live in an increasingly consumerist culture so it's all about creating an image so if you associate 
girlhood with things which are sparkly and pink and then labeling those things as girly it makes advertising and branding a whole lot easier because you've laid it out so simply you've created such a simple connection this is girly and therefore you can make anything that is sparkly and pink and domestic oriented and label it as girly and girl children will want to buy it Yeah, I agree. And it definitely does have dangerous consequences that isn't just an issue in children, but also in teens. Karen Dill and Catherine Thill noted in an article published in 2007 that 83% of characters in American gaming magazines depicted men as more aggressive than the female characters, and that these female characters were 60% more likely to be sexualized than only 1% of the male characters. Gaming subculture also means that these ideas of hyper-femininity and masculinity that we see on our screens and see in these games exist beyond the game and they do seep into everyday life and even if it's just through, you know, chit-chat about the games we play. And I think this shows how media plays a huge role in socialising sexism throughout childhood and into adulthood, which is extremely harmful in a lot of ways like to do with body image because we're comparing ourselves to these characters and that's especially worse for teens whose bodies are already changing through puberty also harmful in terms of upholding ideals of violence ideas of dominance and things like that and that links to Connell's theory of hegemonic masculinity where masculinity and femininity are sort of defined by the other so where masculinity in society is characterized by aggression dominance and like conquest those characteristics play a role in constructing femininity which is seen in relation to this masculinity so instead we get ideas that are more submissive nurturing and motherly so these over stylized media images which are also oversimplified through gaming characters upholds these myths that we have about masculinity and femininity but even though they're constructed relatively these ideas go on to feed into social realities and that's harmful because there's a real world impact and it's exactly like you said harini it does extend to teens as well so there's a psychologist rebecca bigler and in one of her studies she explained that teen girls who internalize beliefs about the importance of having boys being sexually attracted to them showed that there were higher rates of body shaming and body surveillance in these girls as well as a lower performance in school. So this is surely partially owed to the socialization and gendering in childhood which highlights appearance to girls and like we mentioned before how important vanity is and appearance, makeup and hairstyling, how important that is to baby girls and young girls so it clearly shows that things which seem so small to us for example children's toys actually have massive real life impacts and influences there has been a huge debate about whether changes in marketing would actually change what toys kids picked or children's toy preferences and there's basically two sides of this debate on one hand we've got gender essentialism which says that the preferences in toys are reflections of male and female essences or what it means to be male or female so for example boys would be more attracted to the more masculine toys because it's in their innate nature to be more dominant and competitive and then the same would apply for girls seeking out toys that align with their 
essential characteristics of nurturing and stuff like that. So then regardless of marketing or movements for gender neutral toys, children's toy preferences would remain the same. On the other side, we've got gender constructivism, which looks at the environment as an agent in determining gender differences, which means that the environment kids grow up in influences their social and cognitive characteristics. So changing marketing would then change toy preference. And I think what this is saying is that unless we start to move beyond the idea of gender as binary and that it's biological, we won't really be able to understand why this is an issue in influencing child development or see how diverse kids' interests could be if they were given choice of different toys. And that's the most important part of this. It's moving away from the idea that gender is a binary and you can only be one or the other. So of course there is perhaps innate biological differences between brains, but of course this differs from child to child. So me, for example, I was obsessed with cooking when I was a little kid. I wanted to be a chef. I thought I was a chef. Um, So of course it's different from child to child, but the danger comes in labelling and advertising what's meant for one gender and what's meant for the other. So the danger in that would be saying it's good that I was cooking um, or pretending to cook, playing, playing chef because I am a girl. That's where the danger comes in because then you reinforce the gender construct and it isn't fair to kids who don't fit into the strict gender binaries or even kids who do because it doesn't allow them to actually express themselves and see where their interests lie, doesn't allow them to explore them, explore their interests freely. Another point to make about this is that I personally think gender inclusion shouldn't be highlighted because this does more to make it stand out than to normalise it. So if there's something that seems different than the binary and seems different than the status quo, it doesn't help to point it out and show people, look, I painted my, for example, I painted my young boy's nails or I allowed him to play with dolls. You're not normalising it by pointing it out. Instead, you're showing, look, there's this difference. And I've been a good parent by allowing my child to step outside of the binary. Instead, we can normalise it just by allowing the stuff to become gender neutral. You don't need to highlight that something is gender neutral in order to normalise that behaviour and in order to dissolve the gender binaries. I think there's also a point here about toxic masculinity. We have this idea of a pack or male dominance theory where the man aims to be the alpha male, the most dominant, the toughest, the strongest, the most respected, the most successful man in a group of men. And this kind of teaches men to see other men as competitors. This mentality in humans kind of extends to children and we can see it through sports and games marketed towards boys that are advertised in a way that challenged them to be more aggressive and competitive And like we talked about before, gender socialisation through toys and video games, your parents, all these things at a young age can be internalised. And for men, research has shown that this socialisation occurs in three main ways. The first is to seek power, the second is to suppress emotion, and the third is to then conform to social norms. So actually being more mindful of the ways toys are marketed would break this cycle of conformity and would probably increase the emotional vulnerability of boys by giving them 
a more diverse range of things to play with so that they don't grow up with these ideas of toxic masculinity or what it means to be a man. It's also incredibly important to note that while gender roles might not be enforced in one section of a child's life, for example, by their parents, it's likely to be reinforced by another. So, for example, the internet or school, etc. And that's why it's to be had about the baby idea, which is basically raising a child as gender neutral as possible. I think this is definitely quite an important thing to do, not setting up gender as an important determinant in your child's life, you know, as can be seen with gender reveal parties and things like this that has made its way to the UK and is becoming more, in fact, more prevalent here, where you're setting up gender to be an important determinant of your child's life, even before they're born, before they're even allowed to develop any version of their own personality. So even though we are developing, as a society, we're developing a greater understanding that gender is a social construct, we still continue to perpetuate traditional stereotypes in these situations where, for example, you set up that your baby girl is going to be a ballerina or your baby boy is going to be a footballer. And in fact, we see a lot of videos where the dad will be really unhappy that he gets a girl or vice versa. So yeah, I just find that quite interesting that gender is set up to be such an important determinant of a child's life, which brings into question, like I said, the idea of raising a child as gender neutral. Because although this is a great idea and you should aim to do it as much as possible and not place a label on your child, to what extent does this have an impact? Because we see it in basically every facet of society at every age is that there's this gendered socialisation taking place and you can't really stop that as a parent. Even if you try to raise your child as free from the gender constraints as possible, what about all the media that they're going to consume? What about all the gender stereotypes they're going to be met with throughout different various areas of their life? So of course it is incredibly important to bring in a level of gender neutrality but it is just as important to focus on changing society in general and shifting away from the gender binary because you can't have one without the other essentially. So if we focus a little bit more on the classroom, we can have a look at specific examples. So Camille was telling us about Mr. Wonderful Stationery, which is a stationery brand which was quite heavily advertised to girls with a very patronising vibe, as it had a lot of inspirational quotes. For example, rainy days because the flowers will come, etc. And giving this idea that you're pushing a constant reminder onto girls about why they're in school, why they're in the lesson, you know, what they're they're there to do. And it both fails to deliver actual emotional support for girls because you're you're seen as having catered for these girls and that's, that's it. You don't really need anything else. You know, you've put some inspirational quotes on the stationery. That's that then. And it also is limiting for the boys who are seen as not needing these inspirational quotes. You know, they know what they're there to do. They don't need the reminder. They don't need that reinforcing what they're there to do. And it's in a similar way to role models. So boys will buy football shirts, which are branded and advertised with um, and by successful footballers, whereas girls will get things like school supplies, etc., just from normal standard WH Smith or Tesco, etc., and it can also be seen in sports branding as well, quite quite similarly. So 
The branding and advertising for boys trainers usually contains a successful footballer scoring a goal, whereas girls trainers usually have a young school girl on it with pink lettering and flowers. So I guess you can see a massive discrepancy here. It just shows that boys have this idea that even when, when they buy basically anything, it's to do with this role model, it's to do with this aspiration they have, this drive, and that's the image of whatever they're buying. Whereas girls, it's just that advertising for girls is not seen as anything that needs to be aspirational. It doesn't need to be anything that's aspiring to be anything great. And I think this reflects wider society and that a lot of girls don't see themselves as having really important role models that actually reflect them and what they are capable of, whereas boys do. Boys look up to a lot of sports people and even if they are not going to grow up to be sports people themselves, they still have solid, good role models that reflect them these footballers were once young boys too girls are looking up to boy bands or imaginary characters they were not once young girls those so it is kind of a reflection of wider society that the advertising of girls products especially school products for sports and stationery etc don't contain female role models in the same way that boys ones do another incredibly important point about the school sphere is the idea of gendering in classrooms so the psychologist I mentioned earlier, Rebecca Bigler, also did a study of the difference between gendered classes and non-gendered classes. So what this meant was the gendered classes would have the teacher saying the boys are being great listeners today or the girls are being really good today. So gender was highlighted quite a lot to those classes. And in the other classes, it was just gender neutral terms. The difference between boys and girls wasn't highlighted. And the results of this showed that in the classrooms where the gender binary was reinforced, the girls' confidence was majorly lower, um, whereas the less strict gendering made the girls more confident and it blurred their idea of gender roles in the world of work. So, for example, they wouldn't see the role of doctor as being a man's strictly, or they wouldn't see the role of a nurse being strictly a woman's. And this experiment was only done over four weeks as well. So that just shows the massive impact that can be had when gender terminology is used as well in school. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and continue to tune in to the news podcast. If you do feel interested in also participating, you can send us an email at admin at newslondon.co.uk. We're always looking for new people to interview or to contribute articles to our blog, which can be found at www.newslondon.co.uk. You can also check out our Instagram at news underscore LDN. That's all from us. This was the News Podcast. (laughs) 